Welcome to the Godcasts. Well, hi there once again, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for the journey, this pilgrim's uh, journey. How's the pilgrim doing, Dave? Are you well? Yeah, I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Thank you. Are you okay? Oh, just the question alone as sort of, wow. Just yeah, no, don't, don't spend too much time with the answer. <laughs> I should apologise, actually. We, we were on holiday last year last summer uh and um i'm sure this person will never find the podcast so i, I don't feel <laughs> bad saying this but we we bumped into an extremely posh person and the person the question they asked everyone multiple times is are you well uh but i but now i've picked up that habit i, I seem to say to people without any sense of irony <laughs> are, are you well so um yes i uh it, but it was a genuine question. Well, it's an interesting question because it's because kind you don't of look loaded, well. isn't it? Are you well? Well, what do you mean? Do I look poorly or am I supposed to be well? Yeah. Am I obliged to say now that I'm well? Because if you just say, how are you? Hmm. That's a little bit more open. I can say, well, I'm feeling quite rubbish today. Yeah, I mean, yes, I mean, that'd be a great uh, podcast, wouldn't it? Dave's, Dave's Daily Mood. Um <laughs> but it's just me smiling or doing like emoji faces or something you, you log on and say hello Dave how are you mm. and then I go yeah I'm alright <laughs> if, if I'm honest um, what I might do is just record that question once and then you can <laughs> <laughs> uh, no commitment no commitment whatsoever Plenty of commitment, just no interest in that particular idea. But I mean, <laughs> anyway, so we are heading today in fine mood towards Hastings. Yes, yeah, walking to Hastings. Um, kind of, it was um, a laziest day, I think I describe it as. It didn't take too long to get there. Uh, we met someone on the way, um, Nicola. It was one of our hosts wanted to come and walk with us. Mm. Uh, so Nicola is the mum of uh, one of the members of the church in Swayze. And um, she'd been following the journey and she wanted to be able to kind of just do a little bit of that walk. So cool. we, we met her, uh, I think near the railway station or something like that. Um, was she the only host that offered to join you or were there others? Um, no, I think on my second day, um, my host walked from their home and sort of met me halfway and then walked back with me, or not quite halfway. Um, but other than that, probably that's the only person. If you're listening to this and you remember walking with me and I've totally forgotten that, I do apologise. But do let us know. because is... No, no, don't. Don't rub it in. Oh, but no. Don't. Okay, fine. Don't encourage people Keep to point my, my shortcoming with it. That's not good. Well, so, it will be a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, we were walking to Hastings, back to their home where we were going to stay for the evening, and we were going to have a bit of chance just to sort of chill out and be lazy or relaxed. Mm. Um, but on the way back through the edge of Hastings, we went through a quite large housing development. And about two miles of our walk was through this development as we wound our way down 
towards the older part of the town and to where um, the family lived. And as we walked, and a little bit later as well, we discovered that this area of the town had a really bad reputation. When, when we mentioned that we'd walked through there, um, I think it might have been Charlotte, our host's daughter, said, oh, you made them walk through there? You walk, oh, gosh, you don't want to do that. And all sorts of things about, you know, never park your car there if you want your wheels on and all that sort of stuff. And all these all these things were coming out about this place that we walked through. And it did look tired and it did look not well kept um, and and just sort of felt a little bit oppressive. But it, it had got definitely this, this reputation, a place to avoid. It's that part of town. And... Um, and it made me just think about how does a place become that place, that part of town that um, we can give easy answers to it. We can make it explanations. Well, it's like that because the people that live there don't work or there's lots of drug issues or whatever it is. And we can throw all sorts of um, answers, but, but it doesn't actually necessarily tell us how did that happen? Why, why did that happen? Not, well, that's what where it's where it is now. How did that happen? Um, and and so it made me think about: Is there a place in my village where there are people that I well, we don't go and see them because they're not kind of the people that we want? Or is that true in most communities for churches that there there are probably places where we don't do outreach because there are people not like us. So we don't do that there. We go to the safer places, easy places. And yet I was, you know, drawn to the passage in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, where it says that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He had compassion on the crowds. And, and he went everywhere. And, you know, it says, he, he says to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I wonder whether we are a little bit selective sometimes in where we go as harvesters. And we can use the, the excuse that there aren't enough of us, so, so we'll pick the easy places maybe. Um, and possibly because it's easier to minister to people that we think are like us, maybe. I remember a while ago, somebody made a comment that kind of stopped me in my tracks when they were talking about a friend of theirs. And they said, um, oh, she's lovely. She would make a lovely Christian. And I kind of thought, well, I go, what's that about? <laughs> oh, they'd make a lovely Christian. They'd make a lovely one. And you go, but wouldn't, wouldn't everyone, once they were transformed <laughs> by the grace of God, become a lovely Christian? But it's like, well, but I, it, there's a person, isn't there, that um, Paul talks to in the book of Acts. I think it's, is it Felix? Um, and Paul acknowledges that he's not far from the kingdom. Um, and I, I guess there are some people that we can see the grace of God, you know, the image of God, the gifts of God in. Um, but then there are those who we can't obviously see those mm. things. It doesn't mean that doesn't mean they're not there. Uh, but it doesn't mean that we should dedicate our whole time with those who are not far. Because <laughs> the reality is that, you know, there was a time when we were very far from the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and in truth, one word, one gospel word spoken to somebody who seems at this moment a long, long way from wanting mm. 
a relationship with God can be the catalyst to to a massive change in their life. Yeah, yeah. Because nobody's ever bothered to tell them, you know. And this is this is my concern that that when we you know we talked we talked several times about labels and different groups of people in communities and communities within communities and and identities and things when we see people when we look outside of our self as church mm. and we start to sort of uh, uh, appropriate labels on people we start to sort of be selective we start to mm. enable ourselves to, to, to prioritize um and yeah. you, you know if it was a business structure you might see the obvious logic in saying well those are the easy targets because we can win them sooner and then there'll be more of us mm. so mm. then and, and you know, as a business model, maybe that makes sense. But we're not a business; we're a church. We're we're about being commissioned to go out and make disciples of all people, and to go into your community with the good news of Jesus Christ. Every, everywhere in your community. Yeah. I mean, nothing says that you're uh, worthy of my time and love more than it is strategically important that I yeah. reach you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we we've had a team in, and they've helped us assess. You know the importance and the affluence of different communities. You know, <laughs> if we reach this lot, then giving will be much better. Yeah, and, yeah. and and I say that a bit flippantly, but in reality, here's a truth: mm. if we focus our outreach into the poorer elements of our community, into the areas where people are struggling, and as a consequence, where people's lives are very messy, and there are all sorts of things going on that are hard to face mm. drug addiction domestic violence violence genuine whatever it is mm. the reality is we, we're not tapping into an audience or into a group of people who are going to bring lots of financial resources mm. or even necessarily lots of definitely not a lot of spiritual resources initially or practical skills that they can bring in or you know they're going to make us suddenly more equipped to the church what, what are they going to do they're going to bring in challenge and they're going to bring in some difficulties and a necessity to change how we do things yeah. um how we think about people so they're not the obvious target if we want to make life easy for ourselves yeah. Yeah. but they're the obvious target yeah. yeah they're the people that really need right now to hear the good news of jesus christ the hope it can transform their lives. It can give them meaning in lives that maybe feel pointless. I, and I think we mentioned before when we were talking about sort of um, the homeless ministry that you were involved in, um, there is a reality that because they have hit what many of us would describe as rock bottom, uh, there's a real um, honesty, there's a real rawness to it about where, you know, there's nobody trying to pretend. Um, and I know you weren't just talking about homelessness there, but um, you know Jesus talked about the good news being good news for the poor. Mm. Uh, and I know in terms of spiritual terms, we're all you know morally bankrupt. You know we're all poor in terms of God's riches and God's glory and God's holiness. Um, but there is a reality that that poverty of life um, can mean that there are less masks, there are less. Um, games there's less play acting uh, people are more ready to, to receive the gospel because it's good news when you know you're poor mm -hmm. if you don't think you're poor and someone tells you you need a savior 
um you know, if you think your life is together it depends yeah. on you why would i need any what what do i need jesus for you know if life is so great here why, why do i need heaven you know heaven can wait um and that um yeah so i think you're right but i think the other thing that's interesting um you know, not to name anyone but but we've uh, through lockdown connected with a, a new group of people um and they have brought as you're saying a whole different aspect of life to to the community or to the church uh, but they have brought with them a a radical honesty uh, and it has been really good for us mm. really good for us um because you know when you ask them how they are they will tell you yeah and yeah. and then you have to decide what to do with that and then they'll ask you how, how you are and look at you and expect you to tell them um which we're not that good at which we're not that used to um and even if you decide to dodge the bullet dodge the question it makes you go away and reflect on why didn't i just when they'd been so honest why wasn't i that honest um yeah yeah and and the other thing that happens when you when you successfully share the good news with people and they discover the power of hope and transformation that's found in the gospel and they come from a situation when they know their lives are a mess and they know that maybe they've been partly responsible for it and that they can change their lives and they suddenly discover this new hope they tend to be quite noisy about it yeah. And, and they can, yeah. they can yeah. sort of be, well, why aren't we telling others? What, what are we going to do? And, and you know, they'll talk about, oh, well, I, I was talking to Jesus this morning, and or I had yeah. this experience. And you can sense other people that have maybe been part of church fellowship for quite a long time. They've come along since they were kids, and, and it's what they've always done. And if you ask them to talk about their spiritual encounters, they wouldn't quite know what to say. Yeah. And it can make people feel uncomfortable. And they're like, oh, this is all a little bit sort of yeah. and yeah, yeah. that excitement that people have when they really feel that their lives have been transformed by God and they're spiritually alive can threaten those of us in church who are who have become lazy, who become just simple go-alongs yeah. and just plodding along yeah. and have forgotten the excitement of 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 becoming a christian or the excitement of knowing god moving in your life or the excitement of sharing the gospel or even that that we've never done that we could just, you could go to church because that's what we've always done and isn't that what you do and yeah yeah i mean i i said to you i might have mentioned this before about in, in a church where there was an alpha course running and this lady went on the alpha course she did the, the holy spirit weekend and she came to church on a Sunday early because she was excited and she wanted to tell everybody. And she sat down next to a, a, an older couple in the church and did the dreadful thing of introducing herself. So she broke the first rule, you know, <laughs> speaking to somebody that she didn't know. And and she sort of introduced herself and said who she was and that she'd been on the uh, Alpha course and the Holy Spirit Day and she'd had this amazing um, spiritual encounter. And the response she got was, oh, we don't do that here, dear. Oh, wow. And, but that's, that, you know, that goes on in other churches, some of these modern happy, happy churches. Well. Yeah. But do you know what we I mean? Don't, we don't do the Holy Spirit. Yeah, so somebody has that, can, can come with that excitement that can challenge yeah. what's yeah. become the status quo in that church. 
Mm. Um, it is Sorry. No, no, it's a little bit like when um, we, we've just got back off holiday in Greece uh, and there were some absolutely stunning places we visited. Um, and part of what I really loved about the place was just the people, you know, would, would sit and chat with you and um, they'd love to tell you their stories of the, you know, the, the business they were running or whatever it was. And it was just beautiful. Uh, and coming away, I wondered if some of those beautiful um, spots that we were sat in, I mean, they lived there, so they cannot walk around every day going, oh, wow, you know, <laughs> you just, I mean, surely it's just wallpaper to you in the end. Um, but I think part of why some of the places enjoy having visitors is because they get to experience that through new eyes again. Um, you know, whenever we have, I'm sure we're not unique in this at all, but whenever there's um, a baptism in church, people share their testimony. And the atmosphere is electric. And I wonder if part of that electricity in the air is we're getting reminded of the mm. first view, of the first love, uh, of that moment of, oh, this is all amazing. Because um, you are right, there, there, there is that sense in which people can sometimes bring, I, I've just got this. This is so exciting. Why aren't you all excited about what you've got? Uh, and it's a good question to ask. It's a really good question to ask. Um, I think partly sometimes um, first love can sort of settle into um, sort of enduring love. And I don't mean that negatively. Um, I think that, you know, there's that sense of felt passion that moves to a place of, of deeper conviction. Uh, but we should never, I mean, the church in um, Ephesus is criticized by Jesus for losing their first mm. love. Um, and so I think, you know, when people bring that sense of first love or that, that sense of excitement, what it shouldn't do is offend us. What it might do is, is challenge us as to where's that gone, John, for you? You know, that, that worshipper you once were or that evangelist you once were or whatever, whatever it was. Um, it, it's almost like um, Michael W. Smith had a song a few years ago called Missing Person. And he was describing that, that there used to be somebody that had that passion. And now I'm searching for a missing person. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there should be an openness to challenge and an openness mm -hmm. to passion, because that is the response. When people get it, that is the response to the gospel. It's um, it's in Revelation, isn't it, too, about the church? Is it in Pergamum that's described as being lukewarm? Yeah, kind of like you know, it's the worst criticism you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. But you're just lukewarm. You're a bit indifferent. Kind of a yeah. Bit yeah. And and you know, um, there, there was a, a, a member of the fellowship in Birmingham who was who was had this excitement, um, and I know that they others found them a little bit dangerous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> too much. But but they would sort of say. You know, we should do this. And we go, yeah, great idea. But if they said that in some places, people would say, yes, good idea. We should, if we talk, oh, I'm not sure about that. But why not? But why not? Because that's what we should be doing. Well, yes, but, yeah, but why not? <laughs> it's that, that kind of conviction that, yeah, but that worked for me. I want to, we should be telling other people that. And then we have to kind of think about where it fits into our program and if we've yes. got time and, and um, yeah, it is good, but, but, but you know, this, is, this comes back to what I was saying about we can choose deliberately who we share the gospel with and who we don't share the gospel with, and either because we're afraid or is it because we 
we don't believe that the gospel's strong enough to break into those those lives? Is that what we think? Oh well, they're too too dangerous, or you know, there's just oh, it'll never change their lives. They're too hard. Is that what we believe that the gospel isn't that powerful? Because that's a dreadful thing to to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or or are we just afraid of these people? Are we afraid of God's power to to protect us when we go with the gospel? Mm. Like that's part of what it is. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember um, uh, a friend of mine who uh, would just say it. You know, would just like you know, the, there were times when we'd bump into people and we'd be talking about um, a certain type of music, and they'd they'd talk about because um, it was heavy metal music. They they would talk about Ouija boards or whatever it was, or, or some sort of uh, place that they would go and lie on graves and all those kind of stuff. And he would just tell people. Uh, you need to stop that. What you need is you need Jesus. You know, uh, Jesus can free you from that. Mm. If you're not careful, it'll get a grip on you, and you'll need. You know, and would just say it. Uh, and it wasn't a sort of a very aggressive, sort of offensive style, actually. But it, but it was out there. You know, uh, you'd offer to, to to pray for people just there and then, uh, with the full expectation that that God was able to to touch them there and then. Mm. Um, and it was shocking and exciting um, and unexpected. And you go, isn't that what we see though in the Book of Acts? It's, you know, Pete and John bumping into someone and saying, "I can't give you what you're asking for, but I can give you more. I can mm. give you so much more." Um, and actually, that that conviction, that belief that we have so much more to offer people, uh, that Jesus really can free people from addictions and um, you know habits and and patterns and and broken relate, you know all those kind of things. Um, but because we don't see it as much, we don't offer it as much, and because we don't offer it as much, we don't see it as much. Yeah. Uh, and that sense of passion can become. Uh, I, I'm sure. I'm sure Jesus can. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not always convinced that he will, but I'm sure he can. Um, and this sort of um, lukewarmness creeps in. Mm, indeed. And 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 the other way we can excuse ourselves from doing it is that, oh, well, it's the job of, of an evangelist team or you know, a group that will come in and do that sort of work. We're not really qualified or trained. We are the best qualified people in the world to tell people about Jesus because we know him already. Yeah, yeah. What more qualification do you need yeah. than to be able to say, he changed my life? Yeah. That, you know, and that's why I think you, yeah. you know, you do well to know him. But we I think don't... it's other people. Well, you know, they're the specialists, the experts. Mm. And I guess for people in church leadership, um, I know you teased me about coming up with challenges, but the challenge for us, I guess, is that Jesus modeled this for the disciples and then sent them to do it and reflected with them on how it had gone. Um, and we can talk about it, you know, but unless people see it, um, and unless we're willing to put ourselves out there and try it and do it and be honest about why it's hard or what we've got to get over in order to be able to be in that kind of a place. Um, we can't expect that just by talking about it, people are going to do it. No, that's true. And alongside that, another thing is that if we put ourselves out there professing to, to, be, to, to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ and how he has transformed us, we do expose ourselves to scrutiny and maybe one of the reasons we're not so good is that 
we don't want people to see that what's really going on in our lives and that what we're proclaiming to them isn't that evident in our lives yeah yeah actually dangerous place to go you know the um the guy that was sharing here on Sunday, one of the congregation, he shared an experience he'd had uh, with God and on some stuff he'd been uh, reflecting on about it. And I said to him, it'd be great for the church to hear this. You know, to, he spoke on Sunday morning, and uh, he started by saying, "There's only two things really need to know about me before I get into my story. Uh, one is that my name's Stuart, uh, and the second is that I am a really rubbish Christian." Um, and you could kind of feel the room going. <laughs> so why are we going to listen to you then? <laughs> and he spoke about how uh, prayer and time with God and even what God wanted to do in him was just squeezed into these very, very um, hurried, um, yeah, these really hurried moments and how God had to sort of break into his life really to slow him down uh, in order to get his attention long enough to speak in, into that um, but it but there was a sense in which I think people were a bit like because ah, <laughs> you know we all feel like rubbish Christians it's true I mean we all look at some other person uh, real or imaginary and think oh you know that that's what following Jesus looks like and I'm nothing like that uh, but don't do the hard work then don't do the deep work of going so how do I get from here to there um, and it does take a very honest raw assessment um, but yeah I think you're right in terms of the, the, the fear sometimes is as a leader if I say to people right we're going to go heal this heal the sick on the streets on Saturday and nobody gets healed what does that say about me my faith my vision um my sense of what god is calling us to do and it comes back to thinking that we've got to manufacture it that it that, that we are the uh we are the experience that we mm. are the... Mm. indeed indeed yeah cool so tomorrow we're going to battle yes we're going to have a battle you and i are going to get some swords and fight is I that really... what we're doing I really hope there's a Battle Baptist Church. That would be... There is a Battle Baptist Church. Come on. There Come on. A Battle Baptist Church. Indeed. I went and visited it. Well, you could tell us about that tomorrow, so hold that thought. I will do. The rest I, will, of us I will, will battle like... the temptation to tell you about it now. <laughs> the rest of us will be on tenterhooks until <laughs> that point tomorrow. Yeah. Fabulous. So I shall see you at battle. Indeed. Thanks, John. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening to the Godcasts. Mm-hmm.